Hello, I'm Larry Stevenson. Welcome to Let Your Dreams Work, the weekly call where we share how individuals and organizations can harness their dreams to be more, see more, do more, have more, and give more. Dreams are all about your vision. So we've chosen this audio format so you can see your dreams taking place in your own mind as we talk, instead of imposing our vision of how your dreams should look. Tune in, listen with intent, and see yourself living your dreams, and relax into a state where your mind can freely create. If you're listening to this recording after the fact is a podcast episode, please feel free to join us live in the future so you can have your questions answered or send questions to us using the contact form on our website. Call in and URL information can be found in the show notes. This episode, we're going to discuss being a better grandparent, parent, aunt, uncle, being a better relative. Uh, I've had a lot of thoughts about this because I've had some grandchildren visiting and you may even hear them laughing in the back as they're playing some games. But I've had family here and it's made me think about a lot about being better mentors, being better parents and grandparents and being better aunts and uncles. And it doesn't matter if you have children or you don't. It doesn't matter if you're married or not we can be better at nurturing the rising generation, the next group of people who will inhabit and lead and be the essence of our communities. And I'd like to start with this concept of um, just looking beyond the here and now, looking beyond what we tend to look at. Uh, I'm going to share a story of my aunt and Thel and Uncle Bill were technically my great-aunt and my great-uncle. Thel was my grandmother's sister, and Bill was her husband, and they never had children. They, were, they tried, they wanted, they never had children. They became a, an amazing additional set of grandparents to my, my family, my siblings and I. Uh, I remember when I hit that age that every child hits that we dread when we find out that a certain man who comes to our homes at Christmas time isn't real. And I remember hearing my friends say that. And I went to my mom and I said, Mom, is it true that Santa Claus isn't real? And she said, well, for many people, no, he's not that you've been very lucky. You have a real Santa Claus. And it was my aunt and uncle. Uncle Aunt Thel and Uncle Bill would give the money to my parents every year to provide the Santa gifts. And the Santa gifts in our home were always unwrapped and they'd be under the tree and we'd come out and they were the first things we would always see. And that's because Aunt Thel and Uncle Bill look beyond the hardship of their own lack of being able to have children and just became great grandparents and parents to so many others. Aunt Thel would, would come to our church 
and she she had a coat that she bought and this coat had i don't know how many for real but it seemed like it was 50 zippers on it they were all different colors it was a black coat and grandma aunt fell by the way she dressed like a clothes horse she worked for capitol records until she started her own business and she knew how to dress and she bought this coat and it was a very nice coat but it had like 50 zippers on it and every sunday before she came to church she would put candy in each one of those pockets and every child in our church knew that they could go to Aunt Thel, and that's how we all called her, Aunt Thel. And they could go to Aunt Thel, and she would let them pick a pocket, and they could unzip the pocket and take whatever candy was in there. And she had not just the six of us, my siblings, the four of us and our, our parents, but she had all these others that they were just wonderful grandparents too. Um, Aunt Thel and Uncle Bill hired my sisters. When Aunt Thel stopped working at Capitol Records, she uh, opened a shop. It was a gift shop in Farmer's Market, Los Angeles, the famous Farmer's Market in Los Angeles. And she had a store there. She painted the whole store pink and, and she sold gifts on it. And she hired my sisters who took buses from Burbank all the way to Farmer's Market and they would work in her stores. And it was some of the greatest, fondest memories they had of going to work with Aunt Thel. And Uncle Bill, he was a writer, and he wrote for The Hollywood Reporter, and then he got a job with Jet Propulsion Laboratories when Jet Propulsion Laboratories was sending the satellites, the unmanned landing or uh, vehicles to the moon. And he would bring, whenever we had a science uh, presentation I had to make, he would have pictures of the, the landing on the moon and pictures from the moon. And I'd be able to take those pictures and take them in my presentations and tell about what he had told me about this moon landing. Because he wrote all the technical manuals. He wrote some of the press releases about it. And he had a way of making things seem probable and easy to understand. They may never have had children, but they had us as grandchildren. They had great-grandchildren as we had our children, and their names were revered, Aunt Thel and Uncle Bill, because they loved people. They loved children. They just shared that love and reached out to children. We don't have to have our own children. We don't even have to be married to provide wonderful role models and wonderful mentoring and nurturing to, to small children. Um, my mother, <clears throat> my mother taught school in the Burbank Unified School District. Now, she had a very interesting, her background was in home economics. And when my dad was in college and before I was born, she had a television show where she was cooking on television. And she had us children. And as we got older and we no longer needed her full time, she got a job with the Burbank Unified School District Adult Education in a program that was called Mother Education. 
And what would happen is she would go to a different elementary school. She had two elementary schools. She'd go to one three days a week and the next, the other one two days a week. And then she'd switch them. And she had classes come in and the, the classes would come in and it would be the mother's and their children. And the children were all preschool age. You had to be at least three years old to five years old to be in her program. <clears throat> and what would happen is the mothers would sit around the sides and watch mom interact with their little children as she used very sophisticated early child development techniques to help them increase their social abilities, their intellect, their thinking and thought processes, their eye and hand coordination. And they would watch her teach them. They would watch her do certain activities with them, play activities and learn by uh, play. And then when the children would go for snack time and nap time and recess, the mothers would go with my mother and my mother would teach them techniques of parenting. And she always had books around. She had, yes, the famous Dr. Spock, but she also had other books on parenting. And she kept her skills up to be able to help the mothers be better mothers. And then once a month or every other month, she would have a Father's Day on Saturday. And fathers of the same children would come and they'd have the same experience. They would sit and watch mom play with their children, teaching them as she did it, and learn by play, and then she would take the fathers and talk to them about parenting, so that she was improving both fathers and mothers. And this was done, she did it all while I was in junior high school, while I was in high school, when I went to college, she was still doing it. And she helped literally hundreds and hundreds of mothers and fathers to be able to learn what we so often take for granted. And that is how to be better parents. I remember, I we, we all have, let's face it, every parent has things that they may do well and they may have things that they don't do well. And, and certain parents, I've discovered there are certain parents who do really well with certain age groups. For example, my wife is just wonderful with small babies and toddlers. She has an early, she has an elementary ed degree. She is so good with children and I get along with them, but I'm nothing like her. She just connects with them. But I've discovered that I have an ability to connect with teenagers. And I have, now it's a lot easier when they're not your own. And that's one of the joys of this, is being able to connect with teenagers and nurture them at a time when maybe they need a different set of voices to be able to implement the things their parents taught them. Because I'm, I'm going to share, this is one of my theories on, on understanding child development. Now, I, I'm no expert at it, and I'm not saying this has been researched, but I've done a lot of reading. It's a, a lot from observation, and, and this is my feeling. <clears throat> Parents have an obligation to teach their children 
all kinds of skills. They need to teach them how to walk and how to talk. And they teach them manners and they teach them time management. And they teach them social skills and they teach them decision making and thinking. And they introduce them hopefully to reading and things that are going to expand their mind and how to develop their imaginations and how to do all of this. They're teaching them, but you've only got a certain time to be able to do it. And starting, I, th I think it's around 11 and 12, the children then are going to take the next several years and they're going to test what the parents have taught them and they're going to make mistakes. And that's why sometimes when you're a parent of a teenager, it is so difficult because they're now testing the skills that they've been taught. And they're putting them into practice. They're trying to manage their own time. And, and they don't do it well at first. They really don't. And they're trying to get their thinking processes and their cho choice and how to d make decisions and how to make choices and how to live life and interact with other people and hygiene. And all of this is happening while their body is going crazy. <clears throat> and, and when I understood that, it gave me much more tolerance and patience with my children when they were teenagers. Now, that doesn't mean that everything was rosy, because it wasn't. I, I had a temper, and I had to learn how to be a better parent and how to control my temper. And, and sadly, I, I didn't learn it early enough, but I did learn it. I did become a better parent in learning to listen, being less judgmental, of, of still standing for that which I thought was right, but recognizing that there is a difference between those things that are right and those things that are wrong. And there's a lot in between that I think is, is on a spectrum. And I learned that I had to control my emotions and luckily I worked at it and, and I still have problems, but I got better. I became a better parent because I dealt with my anger. I dealt with, <clears throat> I became a better parent because I dealt with my anger. I learned to control it. And years later, I remember we were doing an activity. My children were all adult, adults by then. Some of them were married. And we were doing an activity for my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. We we're going to make a memory book. And so I brought all my kids and I sat them around the table and I gave them each pieces of paper to write down things that they remembered about my mom and dad, their grandma and grandpa. And uh, I got them started and then I got called away. I had to take a phone call and I was gone for about 15 minutes. And as I was coming back, I heard this wonderful laughter and there was such joy and mirth coming from that table as they were all sitting around and just telling stories. And then when I got close enough, I realized the stories they were telling were not about my mom and dad. They were about what the kids called the wrath of dad. And they were sharing their experiences where I had lost my temper and typically would lose it. And Luckily, I had changed enough that they were laughing about it, that they had gotten to the point that they felt comfortable seeing that I had changed. But boy, 
it was hard to take to hear their memories and realize what I had done. But what a joy to recognize that I could become better. I could be more tolerant. I could be more calm. Now, I was never a peacemaker, but I have a sister who is an amazing peacemaker. And we can learn from one another to be better, to be more nurturing, to be more tolerant, to be more understanding when kids are going through that stage where they're making mistakes and, and helping them to recognize the mistakes and the consequences of them without making them feel so horrible that they did. Uh, there was a wonderful book written by Gail Sheehy in the 1970s called Passages. And in the book Passages, it marked that what people did in their 10 years, 10 year blocks. This is what's typical for a teenager. This is what's typical for a 20s somethings. This is what's typical for 30 somethings. And she wrote it in the 70s with massive amounts of research. And then, just as the millennium changed for 2000, she redid the research and republished the book. And an interesting thing had happened. And she discovered that people were now doing in their 20s the things they used to do in their teens. That it seemed to be that now in their 20s, they were testing and learning to apply the things they'd learned in their childhood, and, and they hadn't done it in their teens. And as a result, she discovered that they were starting families and having children and getting moving on with their careers in their 30s rather than their 20s. And everything had been moved back 10 years. And I realized I met that criteria, that in the 60s, in our 60s, we used to retire. And I'm in my 60s and I'm not retiring. I plan on working till I'm 75, which is 10 years after what the tradition was. Now, I don't know exactly what caused it, but I think part of what's happened is as, as we've been parenting, we're structuring our children so much. We're putting them into where we're making decisions, where the term helicopter parent, we're hovering over them, partly because it's a lot more dangerous. I mean, I, I grew up, Sandlot, the movie, represents my childhood. A bunch of kids wandering around on bicycles, playing baseball games, and having all kinds of other fun. And, and today, you don't see parents letting their kids play in the street because it's just too dangerous. And so I recognize that. But I also recognize that we're structuring our children so much that they're not able to really spread their wings and test what we've taught them till much later in life now. We can be better as we learn to accept their trying. And the practice makes perfect. And you're not going to be perfect till several years. You know, they talk about the tipping point of 10,000 hours. They talk about developing a habit in 90 days. We just know it takes time. And yet so many times we expect teenagers to be ready immediately. 
we can be better grandparents and better parents. We can be better aunts and uncles. We can be better nurturers. And there are all kinds of wonderful resources, connections that we can make to do that. For example, my mother, as I talked about that mother education, the Head Start program is designed to help parents learn things that while their children are at an early age about nutrition and housekeeping and, and child development. Um, there are much better preschools in this regular school districts now where children can get the resources and parents can learn from these teachers how to be better parents. Um, we can, we can <clears throat> put in, uh, th there are little groups that parents are putting together. My, my daughters-in-law put their girls and their sons into um, play groups and they do play groups, but in the play groups, they're learning and they're teaching and the parents are teaching one another. With the internet, it is so easy to find something on whatever it is you want to learn about being a better parent, being a better grandparent. And by the way, when you think about being a grandparent, let's talk about being a parent of adults and recognizing that our role has changed. We're, we can't be out there trying to change our adult children. We can be there as support and guides, and when they're ready and they want help, they can contact us and ask us. But it's it's time for them and for us to recognize they are who they are. If they want to make changes, we can refer them to TED Talks and podcasts and all kinds of wonderful resources and optimize connections to be able to learn and to be able to progress and be better. But as grandparents, we need to respect our children and their wishes with their children. It's much easier to be a grandparent because I don't know about you, but when I had that feeling of I'm responsible for all that happens with this child, that I felt so keenly as a parent, when I had that taken away, as a grandparent, it's much easier to just love them and be with them and teach them. But we still need to take the time as grandparents with our grandchildren to share with them those things that, that are important to us, our values, and listen to their values without judgment to engage in true conversation, not manipulative coercion, but sincere communication of sharing what's important from us to them and from them to us. And once again, connections are around to do that. Many school districts offer adult education programs online to help be better parents, to help be better grandparents. There are, as I said, lots of podcasts that talk about being a better parent, being a better grandparent. There are podcasts and books on self-help to just be a better person, that we can allow ourselves to do and be better 
as people to be more calm, to be more tolerant, to be more loving, to be less judgmental. All of these things we can get connections to do. And as we become better parents, better aunts, better uncles, better grandparents, whether it's to our own children or to others with permission of the parents, as we become better foster parents, my mom and dad had four children, but they fostered five more. And we consider them part of the family. And each of them came to us for a different reason. But my parents loved them and my parents shared with them and they became true brothers and sisters to us. We can reach out to people who are in need. We can reach out to people who just need someone in their corner to love them, to nurture them, to strengthen them. So this week, ask yourself what you can do. What one little thing can you do to be more as a grandparent or more as a parent or more as an aunt and an uncle or more as a nurturer? And just try doing one or two or three things this month to be just a little bit better. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm Larry Stevenson. And what are you going to do this week to make your dreams come true?